going to look at some scripture. We're going to have you jot some scripture down. Uh, but uh, I was thinking about the family and thinking about, and we'll say more about this in the 11 o'clock hour, but, uh, but the devil's working overtime, uh, attacking. I believe we're living in some very interesting days. I believe we're living in the last days. We're in perilous times. Now, what do the last days mean? We don't know. Uh, but when you begin to look at the world, uh, the world around us and the different things that are going on all around us, uh, and, and, you know, somebody said, well, those things have been around forever. But, you know, it just seems like we are seeing uh, all of these things taking place in our world. I, I believe the world is, is setting the stage for, uh, for the last days, the tribulation and those kind of things. And uh, somebody said, you know, you look around and it looks like everything is falling apart. But I, I would say this morning everything is really coming together. Uh, for God's purpose. And I say that this morning. You say, what does that have to do with family day? I believe, that, I believe Satan knows that uh, time, his time is short. And I believe he's throwing everything he's got. Uh, he's firing all of his fiery darts at, uh, at the things that God has instituted. He's firing his fiery darts at the church. Like never before, we are, we are seeing an attack on churches today. And I'm not talking about just... Uh, persecution and those kind of things, but I'm talking about just uh, just spiritual warfare. Uh, and he's doing that in a large way by attacking the home. And I believe he's attacking our nation uh, also uh, through the home. You know, God instituted the home, uh, human government, and the church. And uh, Satan's attacking those institutions and I believe, uh, you know, it has been said the family can survive without the nation, but the nation cannot survive without the family. And I, I think it's no wonder that we're witnessing the unraveling of our nation. I believe it's uh, in part uh, the consequences of the breakdown of the family. And we're seeing that. And so I began to just kind of think about the family and uh, and the importance of the family. And I began to think about the family from God's perspective. Why did God institute the family? I want to kind of just give you some things this morning, and we're going to kind of just uh, maybe jot some of these things down. But what is the purpose of the family from God's perspective? The purpose of the family. You know, we talk about the importance of the family and we can talk about the things that we need to make sure we have instituted in our homes like, uh, like prayer and, uh, and the Word of God and those kind of things. But, uh, but what are some of the purposes of the family? I want to kind of just give you this morning some things that I hope will be an encouragement uh, to you because, you know, I learned this a long time ago. If we know the reasons why... The what oftentimes becomes so much more important. It will help set our priorities. When we don't know why, when we don't know the purpose of something, you know, sometimes when uh, this, is, this is kind of just a side nugget, you know, but, but sometimes, you know, you will tell our kids to do something and they'll say, yeah, but why? Yeah, but why? And uh, eventually it comes to, well, because I said so. Amen. Uh, but, you know, I, I did learn this a long time ago. If... If people know the reasons why we ask them to do certain things, 
Or, or we explain to our children the reasons why. And, and because I said so is a good enough reason. But, you know, when you be, kind of begin to explain why this is dangerous and why this is not a good idea, even in counseling sometimes when you're counseling people and talking to them and, uh, you know, uh, here, here's, some, here's some things not to do, here's some things to do, and here's, here's why. It's a good idea. And so the, the purpose of the family, I think, will help us realize the priority and the importance of the family. So go with me to Genesis chapter number 1. Let's go all the way back to the beginning this morning. And uh, again, I, I just kind of want you to, uh, to note a few of these things. Why, why did God institute the home? Uh, it goes all the way back to the beginning. All the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter number 1, I want you to notice, and, and this is nothing new for you, but as God began to, uh, to create the heavens and the earth and on the, uh, you know, the days of creation, and, and I think we know this, but look with me in verse number 4. We're going to notice this phrase over and over throughout Genesis chapter number 1. On each day of creation, God said something uh, concerning that creation. And I want you to notice in verse number 4, it was, what's the next word? Good. It was good. And then when you uh, get down here, uh, as you continue down through uh, chapter number 1, you'll notice in verse number 10, notice the last three words, it was good. You get, you're getting the idea. Verse number 12, it was good. And then you continue working your way down through there to verse 21. You see it. It was good. Uh, When you get to verse 25, it was good. Over and over again, throughout the days of creation, God looked at His creation and He said, it was good. And then He put a, a, a cap on it in verse number 31. It was very good. And so God said over and over again, when He created on these days of creation, He looked at what He created, and He said it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. As a matter of fact, when I look at it all, it was very good. By the way, everything God does is good. Amen? Because He by nature is good. But I find... Something interesting. When you begin to get into the details of it in chapter number 2, chapter number 2 goes into a little more detail. And I want you to notice in chapter number 2 and look with me and at verse number 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. I want you to notice, God said it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. He created man, it was very good. But then he looked and he thought, you know what, he's alone. And that's not good. It is not good that the man should be alone. You say, what's the purpose of the family? Number one, To provide a place of fellowship and communion. You know what? God wants us to have fellowship and communion. God wants us to not be alone. 
You know what? It's a wonderful thing. And I know as, as, as life deals its blows and things like that, some are alone and those kind of things. But in general, God said, you know what? Here's Adam and he's alone and that's not good. And so God created Eve for Adam so that he would not be alone. You see, the point is this. Man in the beginning had a vertical relationship. Adam had a a relationship with God, and that's the most important. That's first. He had a vertical relationship, but he did not have a horizontal relationship, and God said that's not good. And so purpose number one, and I'm going to give you several of these. We're not going to put a ton of meat on them, kind of just chew on them a little bit. Uh, But uh, the purpose of the home, number one, was to provide a place of fellowship and community, if you will, that man would have uh, a vertical relationship uh, to begin with, but also a, a horizontal relationship. And I want you to note also in verse number 18 as, uh, as well as verse number 20, God's, uh, God created Eve and, and he said this, It is uh, not good that man should be alone. I will make a help meet for him. Amen. And uh, uh, verse number 20 says the same thing. And that word meat is, a, is an interesting word. Uh, and again, I, I know kind of this, this phrase is used oftentimes, but when you really study it out, it's really kind of not what it really means. But a lot of people kind of use the word a help meat. This, that's my help meat. But when you really study this out, what that means is uh, not a help meat. It is a help meat for him. The word meat means suitable. In other words, he created Eve to be a help to him that would be suitable for him. And so, uh, you know, uh, this is just kind of a a side note. When God put the family together, he put the family together uh, that they would be a a suitable help, a suitable uh, uh, partner, if you will, uh, in the home. And so uh, well, purpose number one is to provide a place of fellowship, provide a place uh, of, uh, of community, if you will, those kind of things. I want you to note secondly uh, uh, this morning, go to Ephesians chapter number five with me, if you will. You knew we'd land there eventually on family day, right? Ephesians chapter number five. Ephesians chapter number 5. Why did God create the family? What is the purpose of the family? I believe secondly, the purpose of the family is to provide basic order. Remember this, God is a God of order. Even on the day of creation, there was, there was order. Amen? Uh, 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 God is not the author of confusion, but He is a God of order. Uh, and, uh, and in the home we find uh, a blueprint for order. Uh, and we'll not necessarily spend a whole lot of time on this, but notice in Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 21, uh, it work, working your way down through the remainder of the chapter, but it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife 
even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And we can work your way down through there. We're going to come back to this uh, in a later, uh, later point this morning. But you get to chapter number 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so God gives kind of a blueprint for us here in Ephesians chapter 5 and, and then rolling into chapter number 6 concerning order. Now remember in the days of the judges, you remember God gave a description of the days of the judges. In the days of the judges, remember this. If you'll remember the, uh, studying the days of the judges, it was like a roller coaster. The nation of Israel was up and down spiritually over and over for a period of about 400 years They were on the mountaintop with God. They were serving the Lord. They were praising God. Uh, But then over a period of time, another generation would come that that knew not the Lord, and they would drift drift down. The next thing you know, they would would uh, 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 have immorality and idolatry running through the land. Uh, And they got to the bottom, and God tried to get their attention, and so he would would, uh, send persecution their way, usually uh, by, uh, by the means of some nation that would come and uh, have dominion over them and and then they'd cry out to God and God would send them an individual to lead them in revival and they'd get revived and they were up again and down again up and again and down again over and over and over and over we call it the cycle of the judges Uh, and then when you get to the end of, uh, of the book of Judges there's a statement that is made and it's this there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes And you know what? God is a God of order. And when there was no uh, godly leadership, guess what happened? Up and down, hot and cold, in and out. No consistency, no... uh, 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 no, no faithfulness uh, that, that was, was lasting. They were just floundering. And you know what? God doesn't want us floundering. He wants us consistent. And so he, he uh, instituted the home that he might provide for us and be a blueprint for us of basic uh, order and leadership, God first, husbands leading their homes, wives, and then children. And I know there's some exceptions to the rule with their in abusive situations and stuff like that. But uh, again, we just need to, uh, we need to come back and realize God is a God of order. And the home is a blueprint, and we're going to talk about uh, another blueprint that is being uh, displayed for us even more so here in just a few moments. And so one of, the, uh, uh, one of the purposes of the home was to provide not only fellowship, but also uh, to give us a, a place of order. Amen? Because when uh, uh, everybody's in their place, uh, and, uh, and I'm not talking about... Uh, I'm not talking about overbearing and those kind of things. Uh, I'm just saying, you know what? I, I used to tell our kids, and, and this, is, this is well known in our church because I've said it over and over again. If you were to ask any of my kids probably what is the one quote that you heard from your daddy in the home and in the church probably over and over again was this. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. You know what that means? 
Know your place and be in your place. And that's a, you know what, that's a sense of order. We all need that. And so we see that in the home. Number three. Number three. Go to Hebrews chapter number 13. Okay? And I'm going to be very sensitive with this, but I think we do have to address this. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 13 this morning. What is the purpose of the family? What is the purpose of the family? Notice in chapter number 13 and verse number 4, the Bible says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. You say, okay, we're getting on some dangerous ground here. But we need to, we need to realize this morning, God, uh, one of his purposes of the home, God instituted the family to provide a proper context for intimacy. My wife's eyes just went careful. Not, I'm not going to be uh, uh, distasteful here, but I, I want to say this plainly this morning because we are living in a, in a world and we're living in a day and Satan has tried and he is, he is succeeding by and large to totally distort what God has given us as a gift. And we are living in a world where anything that is outside of God's context is being embraced by the world. And not only embraced by the world, but, uh, but being shoved down our throats. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get off this subject because it's a little bit awkward, but I think we might need to preach on this more. And I know it's a little bit awkward, but I'm going to tell you something. We're, we are living in a sex-crazed world out there. And that, that was God's gift to the man and the woman in the context of the family. But it's being so distorted. Somebody said, well, that kind of stuff has been forever. Folks, watch this. We're, listen, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, all of those things... Yes, they've been around forever, but they used to be done in, in, in the dark, in the shadows. You know what they are now? Watch this. Not just, not just accepted and tolerated, but applauded. And I know this is a delicate subject, but uh, when we're talking about the family and we're talking about the home... We need to realize that God gave a purpose. He gave us a context. He gave us a setting. He gave us a blueprint for his gift. And just like with everything else, Satan is trying to distort it. Everybody having fun on family day? Everybody, Take a deep breath, Zach. I don't know which one's sweating more over there, Brother Zach or Miss Day-Day. Amen. Amen. Brother Austin, you all right? Amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's move on. But, hey, I, it's an important subject. And it's a little bit awkward to, to speak on and preach on, especially when you're an introvert. But I'm going to tell you, I'm, I, I, in 31 years in the ministry... I'm, I'm dealing with this almost on a daily basis of, of 
people that have messed up because the world is shoving an agenda down our throat. All you have to do is watch a couple of commercials and they're getting bolder and bolder and bolder and bolder. And watch this. Our kids are being desensitized to gross immorality. And it's being applauded. It used to be, uh, it used to be, I'm moving in a minute, but it used to be, uh, I feel like I need to land here a minute. Listen, we used to, we used to have a quote unquote church in our town that we used to pass it right up the road from our church and they, they celebrated uh, sexual perversion. Let me just put it that way. Even on their church sign marquee, tolerance. Acceptance, freedom. Tolerance, acceptance, freedom. And I thought, man, that's horrible. We've gone way past that now. It's not just tolerance and acceptance. It's freedom. I mean, it's applauding and celebrating it now. And our kids, our kids are getting a distorted image of what the family is really supposed to be according to God. Let me move on. Number four. Are we on number four now? Number four. Why did God institute the home? The purpose of the family is to furnish financial provision. You know what? God, God's plan is this. This is, this is, this is going to be deep. God's plan was for the man to provide for his family. And then for grown children to later provide for elderly parents, especially widows. And you know what? You know what's happened? The family is not doing what they're supposed to do, and so now another one of God's institutions has stepped in, and now guess what's happening? Everybody is depending on the government to take care of them. You want to know why we sit here and we preach against that and we say, boy, we need big government, we need to watch that. And while the government's having to do it because by and large the family's not doing what they're supposed to do. And not only that, but also the provision for the church, amen, as we give. And that's, that's for your stewardship messages. But, uh, but you know what? God... God provided uh, for the family, and he gave a blueprint for that. The uh, husbands are to provide for their wives and their children and their family. And, uh, and uh, by the way, uh, Matthew chapter 7 tells us that our Father gives to us. And guess what? If we're going to be Christ-like and we're going to reflect him, we need to be givers. Amen. And so uh, I'm gonna. I got to move quick. Amen. But uh, why did God institute the home? Why? Why? What was? The, what is one of the purposes of the family? To furnish financial provision. He knew that we were going to need to eat and we and have shelter and uh, and all of those things. And so He instituted the home uh, to be that place where you know what people are properly provided for. And so uh, I give you that uh, number five. Number five. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number six. Just kind of start flipping over there, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter number six. I've got a couple more for you here. 
this morning, and then we'll break and and uh, uh, get ready for the worship service. But number five, the purpose of the family. Number five is to provide a place of spiritual instruction. To provide a place for spiritual instruction. By the way, if you haven't caught on to this yet, each of these points, each of these points seem to have a God perspective. This is why God did this. This is why God instituted the home. His purpose for the home was to provide a place of fellowship and uh, and to provide a context for intimacy and to provide, uh, you know, to uh, financially provide for the home. And, and that now you get to to provide a place of spiritual instruction. But in also in each case, you find where Satan has distorted it. He's distorted it. And... and we're having a hard time this morning. You say, why, why would you even preach or teach on the purpose of the family? Because it's being so distorted today, it's hard to, uh, uh, for our children coming up to even realize what a family is supposed to really even look like. We've got, Satan has, has come in and thrown an agenda to, to, uh, to rearrange the order of the home. And and government will take care of you financially, and uh, all kinds of gross immorality is okay. You know, hey, uh, it's it's perfectly normal and applauded to have two daddies. That's not what God said. And and so we we see that God had this purpose, and God has this blueprint. And, and and when we stick to the blueprint, doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. Doesn't mean you're not going to drop your Mary Kay in the toilet on Sunday morning on your anniversary. You're going to have some issues and you're going to have some problems. But you know what? Uh, at least our kids get to see what God intended for the home. And one of those is a place of spiritual instruction. In chapter number 6 of Deuteronomy... It's a familiar passage of Scripture, but verse number 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Watch verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, uh, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and, they, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy uh, gates. And uh, we could go on and on with that. But I want you to notice that uh, that spiritual instruction, Deuteronomy chapter number 6, and some of this is, is also reiterated later in the New Testament, amen. But the point of the matter is this. The home is the place and the context for spiritual instruction. In other words, let me just get it, get it, get it plain. It's dad number one, and mom's responsibility to teach our children the things of God, the word of God, the ways of God. Now, where have we got it distorted? We think it's the church's responsibility and the youth group's responsibility. 
No, the church and the youth group and children's churches and Sunday school and all of those things are to reinforce what is already being taught in the home. But we have pawned off the responsibility of spiritual instruction to the church. And God bless the church. Amen. I'm a pastor. Amen. Been there. It's what I do. But, you know what? It's dad's responsibility to teach their children the things of God. And then the youth group reinforces that. And we've got to be careful because if we're not careful, uh, we're going we're gonna to miss that, uh, uh, that opportunity. I want you to notice also, and I'm, I'm going to move real quickly here. Notice also, note, verse number 7 says, uh, well, let, let, me, let me give you a nugget number 1. Notice it says, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. What's he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. Go back up to verse number 1, and I want you to notice this. These are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. Did you catch that? Before we can teach them to our children, we need to learn them ourselves. The commandments and statutes, the Word of God. God teaches us, and then we teach our children. Now, how do we teach them? I I, I thought this interesting. Verse number 7, we teach them diligently... Unto thy children. Mark that word diligently. It's kind of it, it, it kind of carries the thought of, of priority and importance. Okay, teach them. It, it's watch the and my kids all played ball. We're we're a sports family. We played you know all the all the sports stuff like that. But I spent hours in the yard with my kids through the years, and then even when they got into uh, you know, Little League and the school sports kind of helped, you know, coach some of the teams. Not a helicopter dad by any stretch of the imagination, but just, uh, just did, that's what I did, amen. Uh, and so I would have Troy, my son, out in the yard, uh, you know, catching ground balls. I, I would hit him ground balls and make, make him field them with a ping pong paddle to teach him to soft hands and stuff like that. But you know what? It's a shame if we'll teach our kids how to catch a ground ball, but we won't teach them John three sixteen. Teach them diligently, diligently unto thy children. And now watch this. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Did you you catch how we're supposed to teach them? You say, what does all that mean? It means this. Everyday life. Everyday life. You know what's the greatest way to teach the things of God, the Word of God, the ways of God to our children? It's, and, and they're, listen, having, having formal times of, of devotion and prayer is good, but you know where they really learn it? Teachable moments. Just teachable moments in the home. Take advantage of the opportunities for spiritual instruction. In life, we, we have choices, and we, we teach our kids about these choices and the consequences of the choices. And I, I think it's probably much more impactful just teaching them through everyday, ordinary life. When thou, when thou uh, sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, nothing wrong with formal devotion time and Bible and prayer. We need to, we need to have that. 
But you know what? I bet you if you asked our kids, you know, did they learn more from what daddy preached and taught and devotion and those kind of things or just when they walked through the house and saw daddy sitting in the recliner with the Bible in his lap? Or when they asked daddy a question, why can't I do that? And daddy says, because I said so. But no, explaining this is not a good idea and here's why. And so, just everyday life. Let me give you... By the way, you remember when, when Joshua led the children of Israel across the Jordan and they got to the other side and they set up that memorial. And you remember why they built that memorial on the other side? It said, when you pass by and your children ask, what mean these stones? And you can have an opportunity to explain to them what these stones represent and how God led them out of bondage and how God led them through the wilderness and how God parted the Red Sea and then parted the Jordan River and brought us into the land and he kept his word and he kept his promise. If you study that out, you'll notice this. When your children ask the youth pastor, no. When your children ask the pastor, no. When your children ask the school teacher, no. And I'm all for the pastor or the youth pastor and the and the school teacher. I'm all for that, but that's not what it said. It said when your children ask who their father. That's where it, that's where it begins. Why? Why did God institute the home? By the way, we can't outsource the responsibility of spiritual instruction to another. Two more, and I'll give them to you very quickly. Number six, to provide godly and loving discipline. I know it's a sore subject with some, but folks, can I remind you, our children are born in iniquity. They are born with a sin nature. And we don't have to teach them to do wrong. It's already in them. But we do have to teach them to do right. And God has given us a blueprint uh, for uh, for discipline. Amen. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, but I'm afraid I'm afraid what we're seeing in the world again, Satan's distorting all of these. And what what's happening is parents have failed in the area of discipline, and now other people are having to discipline in the form of police officers and prisons and correction institutes and stuff like that because our parents never said no. They've never heard the word no. We've got to be careful of that. And so God God instituted the family unit, put everything in, in order. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right and, and then uh, tells us to provide for them and tells us to... Uh, to instruct them in the things of God and when they go astray to discipline them correctly and godly and according to the word of God, not in anger and not provoking our children to, uh, to wrath and those kind of things. There's a right way, amen, to do it. But, uh, but we need to come back to a place where, where our children are being corrected and disciplined in a godly way so that they'll realize, you know what, there's, 
There's, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. There are some things that, you know what, some things that I just can't do. And we're, we're raising up a generation now. And by the way, that generation, we, we used to say that, but now we're getting to a place where the generation coming up behind us that never heard the word no are in places of authority in our government. And they've never heard the word no, and, that, and, and that's why we've got a mess. Number seven, and this might be, I, I, I hasten to say the most, most important, but this is right up there. I believe, and I told you we'd come back to Ephesians chapter number five. Ephesians chapter number five, find that. And number seven is this. I believe God created the family to be a model of evangelism to the unsaved world. To be a model of of evangelism to the unsaved world. One of the greatest evangelistic opportunities may be what unbelievers see in our own home. Notice Ephesians chapter number 5, and I told you we'd come back to it, but God gives the order. He gives the order. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Somebody said, well, I don't like that. Uh, You know, I, I, I don't like that. But what we have to remember is this. Look at verse number 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You realize that the husband wife relationship is patterned after the relationship between Christ and the church. He's the bridegroom, we are the bride. And we are to be a reflection of that relationship. That's why it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. And, he, and so uh, when we get things out of order in the family, we are distorting the picture of Christ in the church. When people see a home and a family that uh, where everyone's in their place and priorities are right, doesn't mean everything's perfect, doesn't mean everything's wonderful, doesn't mean things doesn't go wrong. But you know what? We want people to see Christ in us. It's been said we are, we are the only Bible sometimes that some people will ever read. And if they see us out of place and distorted, we distort the picture of Christ in the church. If the wife gets out of place, if the husband doesn't love his wife in the way, in a sacrificial way as Christ did the church, it gets the picture distorted and so people no longer see Christ in our home. What is the purpose? One of the purpose, one of the primary purposes, I believe, of the family unit is to be an evangelistic tool to the world that people will see Christ in us. Just some thoughts this morning on the family. A little bit different. But God instituted the home. And these are some of the reasons why I believe He did so. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to gather this morning. And Lord, just looking forward to what you have for us in the worship service to follow. Guide us and direct us and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. We're going to be dismissed here in just a moment. Let me just say just a word about this real quick because uh, it's interesting. Uh, as Brother Brown was preaching, a couple of the things he was dealing with uh, just in the last week uh, or two has come up in multiple conversations uh, with other people. Uh, and you're seeing a, a growing number uh, of some of the sexual immorality growing in our nation. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a study done, and it was around 2% of America uh, lives that lifestyle. But a, a recent study was just done uh, just last year, late last year, and it has grown to 6.5% in just a couple of years. And uh, this, the, the, the uh, subject came up, and we were, we were talking about it uh, one evening after a basketball. Um, there was a devotion that was given, and they were asking, how do you handle those things? We're living in, in a world today where many Christians stay silent because they're afraid of, of what will be said about them. And, and, and here's the thing. If you truly believe that this is truth, there, there is something that we find in Scripture where you can share truth and you can share it with love. You can speak truth in love. And, uh, you know, as we've seen that this morning on dealing with some of these harder subjects in, in, in a way in passing, uh, but let me say this, when you begin to think about the home, and this is one of the main things we're trying to accomplish on Family Sunday, is to encourage and to strengthen the home. Uh, we started a young adult, uh, or a young family Sunday school class uh, about uh, probably half a year ago, six to eight months ago, uh, coming up on a year here soon. And within that time frame, whether it was in the church, whether it was, was people that we knew outside the church, whether it was uh, close friends, whether it was people we went to school with, we began to quickly see that Satan is, is trying to destroy the home, and he is doing a great job at that. Yeah, that's, a, that's a sad statement to be able to make, that Satan is doing a great job at destroying homes, but he is. And one of the reasons that we're having this Family Sunday is because we care about the families that are represented here. We want to strengthen the homes within our church. We want to strengthen the homes that are, that are coming here. If you're visiting with us, that is, that is our goal. We want you to find that, hey, we can trust this book right here. There's a lot of things that we find in Scripture that will help us, that will aid us, that will strengthen our home. So let me just share a couple things, and then we're going to be done. As you begin to think about the home, as you begin to think about uh, Family Sundays, as you begin to think about the, the roles within the home, and uh, again, going back to this understanding that we're dealing with speaking truth and love. Uh, you know, we live in a world right this very moment, 50%, a study was done, 50% of marriages end in divorce right now. You drive down Wilma Rudolph a couple of years ago. I saw this as we were driving down. There's a big old sign right on the left side of Wilma Rudolph, right as you pass First Baptist Church on Wilma Rudolph, that said, get your divorce started today. And that's the world we're living in. It's encouraged. It's welcomed. It's, it's, it's as Brother Brown touched on it last night when we, he was preaching, what's the big deal? You can find another spouse. You can find someone else. And that is encouraged nowadays. And uh, we want to strengthen the homes. 18 million children in America are without a dad in the home. You think about that. Uh, and that's a sad statistic. 48 million are without both parents in the home. And you begin to think about the burden that is placed because as a church, one of the things we want to do is we want to reach people. And there are many doors that we're going to knock. There are many families we're going to reach that either have only a mom in the house or there are some children that are, are orphans right this very moment. Uh, we know of some families right this very moment that are trying to get active in that role right there of bringing children in their homes to help them because it is a ministry. 
Brother Kenny Baldwin is a preacher many of you know, and one of his ministries that him and his wife have is that they foster children. And some of the men that are called to preach under his ministry were men that grew up in his home that they fostered and that they brought into church, that they discipled, that they showed, hey, the Lord loves you. Hey, we're taking you in for a season. I'm not your dad. This is not your mom. But there is a heavenly father that loves you. They ended up getting to know the Lord Jesus Christ, their personal savior, called to preach. And the Lord is using them right this very moment. And so you begin to think about the difference that our church can make and our families can make in that. You begin to think about for just a moment church attendance as you think about this. Think about these statistics. If both parents are attending church, we think about the young adult program. We have some young adults that went to a conference uh, just this past weekend, and we have a burden for that because there are many uh, teenagers who, when they hit 18 and they graduate, they leave the church. They're out the door. And when 72% uh, or when both parents are in the church and they're faithful to the church, 72% you'll find, of children that leave the youth department, stay plugged in into church. Uh, When just the dad is plugged into church, 55% chance that the child will stay in church. When just mom is in church, 15% chance. And when neither are in church, 6% chance. Now, let me say this. Men, we need to lead the home. We've got to. Um... We are losing families. Uh, We're losing young people. And we've got to strengthen the homes. Now, you say, I'm not up for the challenge. Well, buckle up and get up to the challenge. Uh, You you can't just cower down. You can't just say, hey, someone else has to do it. Look, you're that parent's, uh, that, that child's parent. Parent that child. Love that child. Raise that child. Don't put the responsibility on the youth director, the Sunday school teacher, the pastor, the church. Uh, Take that responsibility. And uh, we were just talking about this just the other day as we were walking through about some of these hard subjects. And uh, we're seeing that they're not preached on anymore because we don't want to step on toes. We don't want to offend. Look, we're not trying to draw a crowd here at Gateway Baptist Church. We're wanting to preach the truth, and God's Word will, be, uh, will take preeminence in that. And so as the Word of God is lifted up, can I encourage you, don't get, don't get offended and get mad and leave because the preacher preached something that you didn't like. Stay and say, Lord, maybe it's me. Maybe I need to evaluate some things. And this morning, can I encourage you on Family Sunday, this is not just another Sunday. It's not just one of those Sundays we walk out and say, oh, we had a Family Sunday. Oh, we're walking out happy. No. Look, we want God to have whatever he desires to do to be accomplished this morning as the Word of God is preached. Let's take Family Sunday serious and say, Lord, strengthen our home, strengthen our family, strengthen me, and help me to be what you desire for me to be. Let's, let's take this serious and allow the Lord to have preeminence in this. But this, these subjects are subjects that you're not hearing very much anymore because... Uh, we are. We're as, as a nation. There are many Christians who we stay silent because we're afraid of what people will say. And uh, you want your nation to turn back to God? It's time Christians start standing up and saying there's a God that's worthy of worshiping. There's a God that's worthy of, of living these truths out, and we're going to do it. As for me and my house, we love that statement, don't we, in Joshua? We love that statement. We walk in Hobby Lobby. We walk in all these stores, and we see, oh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But very few times do you see that actually being lived out. It's not just a little plaque you can place on your home. Let's live it out. Let's determine today to let the Lord have his will and have his way, okay? Lord, we do thank you this morning. I pray that you would help us. Lord, that you'd guide us and direct us. Lord, there are many times that we're seeing some people even today. They have friends. They have family. They have coworkers. They have neighbors. Uh, Lord, where Satan is just destroying the home. 
Lord, there might be some here this morning that we don't know that they're, they're facing some trials. They're going through it right this very moment. They're discouraged. And Lord, they need to be encouraged. Maybe they need to be challenged. They need to be convicted about some things and, and take some action. But Lord, you know where we're all at this morning. And Lord, our prayers that the home would be strengthened, that families would be encouraged. And Lord, that we would take the next step forward and we'll thank you for it. Guide us now. Be of the service to come. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be dismissed. We'll start here in just a few moments. Once I walk with no purpose, so blinded by sin, till the light of the gospel came in. Now I walk a new path, there's joy deep within, I'll never be blinded again. The darkness that once filled my sin-shattered life was dispelled by God's glorious light. The chains that once held me so fast in the night were broken by God's power divine. Now I'm filled with peace where fear once did reign and the joy I cannot explain. Praise the Lord. I'm not lost Stand through the passing of time and a future in heaven above. I've been given new life that I do not deserve. I'm constrained by His love. The darkness that once filled my sin shattered life was dispelled by God. Light. The chains that once held me so fast